Alright, how we doing everybody? I'm your host Will Reddington and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Our show is brought to you by Vegas Live 365. If you are looking for a way to bet on sports from the comfort of your own home, if you're tired of driving across the bridge, Vegas 365 is your spot. Message me, Will Reddington 4 on Twitter if you want to get set up, whether you bet $5 or $5,000 every single week. Vegas 365 has you covered. Our show is also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. Use promo code RED with two Ds for a $20 deposit bonus on any deposit, $20 or more. Thrive has awesome NFL contests rolling each weekend. You could win up to $10,000. And of course, we are also brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. O'Shea's Irish Pub, as concerts and events start to return to the KFC Yum Center, there's no spot more equipped to give you the best pregame or the best postgame you could ever ask for than O'Shea's Irish Pub, downtown 123 Main Street. Very easy to remember. All right, let's get it going. Red Talk, we are back. Little midweek weird episode. I'm doing two episodes this week. I have to get to 200 by December 18th, so I'm working hard. And I called an old friend, Presley Meyer, to help me preview this Louisville basketball season. We have one game in the books, played Southern from Louisiana last night. And uh, Team 108, season underway, and no better way for me to break it down than with my old friend, my former partner, my podcast X. Presley Meyer, what's up, man? There's nothing like rekindling that old flame with the ex-lover, and uh, I'm excited to be here, Will William. Uh, it's an honor to be on, on the on the uh, what do you call that? Like the the, the starship, the uh, the main the main home of Will Reddington podcasts. This uh, this is me. This is my home, and I thought a fun way for us to start would be uh, to talk a little bit about our breakup. I've been thinking about ideas for what I should do with my 200th episode, and I've thought about like a best of, but you know how much hard work that would take to take clips out of – I mean it's just something I, I quite frankly don't want to do just because of the workload. I, I thought about reaching out to a lot of my exes and having them on the show and talk about what went wrong and what, what they think about it. Now I thought that would be very, very entertaining also could be hurtful. So you could look at it either way. This is our little trial run. We're going to do this via podcast. Good opportunity for me to give this a run. So yeah, tough breakup for us. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, I do miss you. Uh, no hard feelings. I hope you're doing well. I think about it sometimes, you know, they always tell you not to reach out, but uh, I reached out. And uh, now that you're sitting in front of me, uh, you know, I'm experiencing all sorts of emotions. Yeah, well, it, it's not you. It's me. It, I think that's always what it was. It wasn't it wasn't you. It was always me. Uh, I think we both knew that. I knew. think we both knew that time would come. But it is one of those things, you know, like when you get back sitting in front of, of your ex, uh, you just start feeling those things that you haven't felt in a while. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be back, and this is better than normal breakups because we we can have this conversation, and as uh, the popular hip-hop artist Drake says, why you got to start, girl, why you got to start, you know, you make time for the things that you want, and, uh, you know, I guess I, I guess I couldn't make the time, and uh, I deserve to take blame for our breakup, and uh, that's something that I'll have to live with for the rest of my life, and you, you won't, there's no what-ifs for you because I didn't leave the ball in your court, and I have to live with the what-ifs. So just imagine how tough that is. It's tough. It's tough. And you're, I feel like you're playing it right. You're playing it right, you know, because now, now I have to sit here and just think about, you know, how you felt in the situation. You know, it just, you know, I would just only process selfishly my emotions in the past. So this yeah. is healthy. I think this is healthy. This is good. Uh, yeah. My therapist recommended that I did do this. So I'm, I'm just excited to be here. I'm ready to talk about some basketball. Your therapist recommended that you did not do this? No, 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 that, that we did this. Yeah, that, you know, it's always healthy to have like a little, you know, little get together, a little uh, 
post. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, it seems mine, like a healthy thing to do. I'm ready. Mine has said the exact opposite. Um, basically, that <laughs> um, closure is a, a figment of your imagination. Enclosure is whatever you make it, but let's uh, defy the odds here. And I'll always, you know, love you for what it's worth. We'll never fade like graffiti on the overpass. Thanks, Ed Sheeran. Let's talk about some basketball. So, game one, initial reactions. Louisville, we play Southern University at home. We're favored by twenty six and a half. Coming off two absolute maulings in exhibition games. Everybody's really excited for this team because I feel like it's the first time in a few years you look at it and you're like, "There's eight or nine guys I'm excited about." It's not just these five or six, how many minutes is this guy going to play? There's still a little bit of that, but there's a lot of talent and a lot of older talent that we've seen before, either on our team or other teams on this roster. We go into this game, 26 and a half point favorites. The last time we played Southern, we beat them 101 to 53. Last night did not go that way. It did not. I think the first thing that you, you know, immediate takeaway is the first thing that you have to say to kind of get this out of the way, Southern is definitely, they passed the eye test. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, they had, they got one vote for first place in their conference. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they'll ultimately be a contender in their conference. Uh, but I think that Louisville definitely, definitely overlooked them. I think kind of first game at home, kind of first go around without Chris Mack on the sidelines. Uh, I think that oftentimes, things can go this direction uh, just because the players are more concerned about the, the intros and the, the swag of the new uniforms and playing in front of a, a home crowd and, you know, all, all the stuff that comes with that Southern kind of just came in and they were kind of, you know, they, they came in because they want, they truly believe they could win the game. You could tell that. And they also had the athleticism to match Louisville um, not for a full 40 minutes, I don't think, but they had athleticism to challenge them. So I think that's the first thing that that I would take away from this game. Um, and then obviously the main takeaway, you know, you said 26-point spread, I believe. Uh, never really even – I don't even know if they got out to a 20-point lead or not. Uh, they maybe like high teens or something like that. But Southern truly made this a game, and I think the main reason is because your best player simply did not play – um, especially in the second half. Jalen Withers, only two minutes in the second half. Uh, I, it looked like there might have been kind of some back and forth between he and Pekis, and, and Mike Pekis said, hey, this isn't Chris Mack's show right now. This is mine. I'm going to run it the way I want to. And uh, right now it's not with Jalen Withers or J.J. Trainer in the game. Well, that's a major silver lining, I think, to take away from a performance that was definitely lacking is that we look at the box score from this game and you're like, wow, Withers three points, Dre Davis zero points. That's really concerning, especially when you look at what we lost last year and what we return. If you don't if you don't know anything about any of these new guys and you hear that, you're like, oh, well, we probably lost by 15 to literally anyone. And yeah. everybody else just kind of steps up. And I think that's a massive pro when it comes to this team when you look at what Matt Cross did with his finger sideways and and Samuel Williamson still all over the place he's still rebounding like he was towards the end of the year last year I think the rest of these guys are going to come along and you're going to see a little bit of this at first but I do love the holding these guys accountable hey look we don't have to have you out there for 33 minutes anymore we have other guys that can come in and it's still very disappointing last night for sure, but there's also 30 plus games left and we know what we're going to get from Withers. You saw it in that exhibition. I mean, he hits that like NBA three, like on the, for our second basket of the game. You're like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And if you see him in these pictures and videos, he looks like twice the size that he was last year. I know that's not accurate, but he looks like a giant man. And I'm, I'm still really excited about this team. I got him 30 to one to win the title. I'm not sure if it was a good bet, but maybe it was. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to tell from the, from the first game. It's hard to have that, that's that drastic of a takeaway, if you will. Um, but no, I mean, look, I, 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 like you said, I think that that the big takeaway, if you want a positive takeaway out as a team, not just as, from individual players, I think oftentimes in the early games, you're really looking at, at what the individual players can bring and then kind of watch them grow as a team. You're never going to see anywhere close to the, the complete product um, in, in the first few games. But I, I think the main takeaway is, like you said, the depth is already beginning to show itself. And the coaching staff can say, look, I know you know you had to play out of position last year, and that sucks. 
but you also had to play a lot of minutes. It's not the case this year. If you mess up, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, uh, there's other guys behind you, uh, behind Jalen Withers. Uh, Matt Cross came right out the gates, 15 points, five boards. Uh, Samuel Williamson, who plays a little bit at three, a little bit at the four, uh, 14 points, 14 boards. I mean, that's that's a significant enough contribution right there that uh, they definitely filled in adequately for Jalen Withers, in my opinion. Uh, so it, it's it's one thing. The, the, the game kind of presented itself differently that I think than most people would have expected, right? Southern was kind of able to to control the game in the lane. They were kind of able to dictate the pace. Uh, they forced Louisville into situations that Withers – or excuse me, that, that, uh, that Williamson and Matt Cross kind of thrive in. Uh, and to an extent, Noah Locke a little bit. And I think that's kind of why you saw the game play out the way that it did. Uh, ultimately, though, it's that team depth. It's those different options. Uh, I don't think that you're going to see um, the, the same outcome again um, from, from Jalen Withers um, or, or a number of other players on, on this team. I think that you'll see a completely different team on Friday. Right. And I hope so. I'll be in the house. I, I did not go to the game last night because there was so much going on on TV. I had to watch Kansas, Michigan State, Kentucky Duke. The Bachelorette was on. I'm really locked in. I, I barely found a spot for this Louisville Southern game. I had to illegally stream it because it's on something called RSN. So I'm not going to risk missing any more games. I don't know what's going on with that. But the crowd didn't look great. Crowd was not good. Um, the crowd was about the same as both the exhibition games, not what you want to see, but it was, I think tip off was like a little after nine on a yeah. Tuesday night, um, on the heels of daylight savings time. So it really feels like 10. Uh, so, you know, you factor all those things in still not what, what you'd expect, but again, we're experiencing those COVID crowds across the country, um, in football and in, in every sport at, at every level. Um, obviously the, the, the biggest teams, the Lakers are always going to sell out, right? right? Like Alabama football is always going to sell out. Uh, you know, Kansas is always going to sell out. Like th those are just givens, right? Um, but, but teams, programs like Louisville on the heels of COVID on the heels of daylight savings time, first game of the season, they get a crap team. No Chris Mack. Uh, there are a lot of factors that played into that as well. Uh, I personally like that. I could get a beer and go back to my seat during a timeout. I think that's a great perk. So if you're interested in going to games in the future, um, you know, that's a great selling point. Uh, UofL ticket office, you know, hit me up. I will be glad to uh, to promote that all day for you. Um, but no, yeah, crowd, terrible. Um, <laughs> F minus. Um, uh. The student section, though, how about that? Well, you know, we're, we're, we're ending every, every take with a positive takeaway. Student section was great. Uh, student section was getting into it with the Southern bench. I know it was the, the, the first game of the season, but, you know, they're the, I think they probably had 500 students show up and they were all active. They were into it. So I liked what I saw out of them. Everybody else can suck it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we were supposed to end it with a positive take. That's all right. We'll go ahead and move <laughs> on. So I, I'm watching uh, UK last night. You played Duke. And the reason I bring this up is because every year that Kentucky starts a basketball season, I sit down and I'm like, who? Can't wait to meet all these new guys because I don't know who any of these guys are. And they're always all brand new. And Louisville has a similar situation like that this year. We have a lot of familiar faces when you look at Malik Williams and Withers and Williamson and Dre Davis, of course. But I want to do a little bit, uh, maybe give me a paragraph each on some of these new faces and what people can expect from them. Anything you got on these new guys, we'll start off with our starting point guard, and that is uh, Gerard West. Is it Jared West, Gerard it's I think the the homies back home call him J Rod back in the WB. Cool. Um, a, interesting fact about him: there's a lot of people that this happens to in West Virginia. I went to college with a guy in West Virginia. Um, he had never seen the ocean before, never been out of the state of West Virginia until he came to college. Fun fact: kind of a Jared West situation there. He grew up in West Virginia. He played high school basketball there, and he went to Marshall. So this is kind of a new experience for him. Uh, does not appear that he is outside of his comfort zone at all. In fact, um, I, I think I tweeted out three minutes into the game, I would trust Jared West with my life, and I truly believe that uh, Jared West is is he's going to be a man of the people by the end of the season. Uh, I've been listening to some of the talking heads saying that they feel like LL should start. No, Jared West and Noah Locke are the best best guards on this team right now bar not, by far. That is uh, that's good to hear, and I, I do feel that sense of maturity 
from uh, yeah. J Rod. And uh, when I look at a, uh, <laughs> I get J Rod. Uh, good lord! I, now I'm gonna say that for the rest of the year. That's all. Yeah, we have to now. But L Ellis is. He, he like reminds me a little bit of like second year, but you know, beta version of Russ Smith. Like he's just sporadic out there. You never know what you're going to get, but it can always be really good and really fun. But I think that West is the right guy to kind of lead this team, at least for now, until L. Ellis maybe makes some giant jump where we're like, oh my God, this guy's going to play in the NBA. Let's do L. Ellis now. Yeah. So we have an inside source, uh, a mutual friend of both of ours. Won't give any names, but he is a good friend with L. Ellis's. Uh, a Juco coach, uh, he told me in the offseason, look, L. Ellis is going to be the best player on this team. He is athletic as hell, and he is just like a Walmart brand Russ Smith, essentially. Like he is, you know, if, if you could bottle up what Russ Smith had, uh, minus Rick Pitino, you know, just the love-hate relationship between he and Rick Pitino, uh, that's what you have in L. Ellis. Uh, and and you could truly see some of that. Like he, it seems like he is – he's going to need to kind of be eased into this. And I, I think that's why it's so beneficial to have a player like Jared West that has such a mature head on his shoulders. Not that L. Ellis doesn't, but his decision-making is still young. Like, his game is still young. Uh, but he's an athletic freak. Uh, got a little Darius Perry in there, too, if you will. Um, kind of scores and spurts. Crazy good passer at times. Great at getting into the lane. Average to solid defender. So, um, yeah, L. Ellis. I love it. And I feel like our roster construction has been really, really solid. And that's always a thing people talk about in the NBA because there's so many moving parts and it's so important. You can put together these video game lineups with Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, but it might not work if they all don't fit together. And I feel like college basketball is turning into that a little bit with the transfer portal and, and the way these guys can just switch teams on and off. I mean, uh, Ohio State had a guard starting for him last night that just played at Penn State last year. That's crazy. I mean, it's interconference type stuff that's going on. And I feel like we did a good job. Matt Cross, Miami guy, go off. Matt Cross, tough as nails. Uh, my username tonight is big Matt Cross fan 33. And uh, there's a reason for that because I, I just am enjoying what I'm seeing with Matt Cross. I'm not going to use everything I've heard. You know, I listen to a lot of radio today. I was in the car a lot today. Everything that that everybody wanted to talk about was Matt Cross is the guy that you love to have on your team, but everybody else hates. Um, and while, <laughs> you know, that that is maybe true to an extent, I just like that Louisville has a guy that just like just plays just angry. I think. Every great team has a guy on the team that's just that's just an angry dude. Um, and it seems like – it's not like Matt Cross is in a night – I'm sure he's a nice guy. But when he's on the floor, he's a competitor. And, uh, you know, he's almost got he, – he almost got kicked out of a, a, script, a exhibition game uh, just for <laughs> for being Matt Cross. Um, and I, I love that. I want to see him get teed up all the time. I want to see him, you know, getting an attitude, getting ruffling the best – the other team's uh, – best players feathers. Uh, I think that's going to be great, but it, he, he can do it all. We kind of thought that he was going to be a big, um, you know, scoring threat from the outside, but really he's, he's a do it all type of guy. Uh, tough as nails. Lo- love Matt cross. Great guy. I figured you were going to have positive things to say when I, when I saw your <laughs> username, we have the sun devil and big Matt cross fan 33. So this is already guaranteed to be a great podcast. Uh, no lock. He's a guy that when you start watching Louisville, He's one that you probably already know if you follow college basketball because he's been a major factor for the Florida Gators for the last few years. And as an LSU fan, I've grown to know him, and I honestly didn't like him for a long time because he's all jacked and he makes a bunch of three-pointers. But now I'm absolutely thrilled that he's a member of the Louisville Cardinals. Noah Locke. Noah Locke is, has become known as, as a knockdown three-point shooter uh, for – to kind of give reference to the type of player he was at Florida. Uh, he did not average many rebounds, assists. Like his his box scores were essentially around 10, 11 points every night. He's just going out there and knocking down three or four threes a game. Um, and, and to give you kind of reference, he actually um, was assisted on more three-point shots uh, in his Florida career than Ryan McMahon was assisted on three-point shots. Uh, during his Louisville career. So there's a little fun fact there for the audience. He has not been that so far at Louisville. And it appears that he is really going to be just kind of a a gunslinger almost on this team. It it appears that he has the green light more than anybody else. 
Uh, and he has he has a lot in his arsenal. He has a lot. He has a lot of like a step back game, similar to kind of a Samuel Williamson. Gets you off balance. Looks like it's going to be an ill advised shot, and it's pure. Um, so I love to see. I love what we're seeing from from uh, from Noah Locke. He's going to be kind of a, a 50 percent overall field goal shooter. Um, yep, Noah. Locke. I love it. Sidel Curry. Sorry, Sydney. So, oh my God, I said Sidel. I think that's uh, Sidel Curry. I think is, that's. Is that- I think that's either that Damian Lee's wife or uh, oh, it's okay. Damian Lee's wife or Steph Curry's sister. Good Lord. Sydney well, Curry. <laughs> Sydney Curry. Sydney Curry has impressed me with his overall speed. You know, he's the guy that came in over 300 pounds. Um, I saw him. He was actually standing at card March um, when Yaya Diaby walked through at card March. He was the, the largest specimen on the Louisville football team. And Curry made Yaya Diaby look like a little boy. Um, Curry is just, he's just a big, huge specimen, but he, his game is not at all what you would expect. Um, he's not like just trying to cram the ball all the time. He has finesse. He has, he has soft hands and he can run the floor like crazy. Uh, got the start in the first game over Malik Williams, which is shocking, but I'm sure right. that's kind of was a Chris Mack trying to send a message more than anything else, send a message from home. So, um, yeah, I was very surprised to see that. Obviously, I mean, when you look at the minutes, it didn't really matter. Uh, Sydney only played 14, Malik played 24, and uh, Malik filled it up on in terms of on the glass. Last guy and our most recent addition, last minute, Mason Faulkner. Mason Faulkner is a guy that you know, we had uh, Jeff Goodman on, on, on the starting 502 podcast about three weeks ago. And he shocked us when he said that Mason Faulkner was by far the best player in the practices that he'd seen. Uh, it seems like he's taken a step back with his health, um, but he's a guy that I think as the season progresses, he's going to be a guy that you, you can't keep off the floor. Uh, he was he was at Colorado for, I think, like a month um, and then ultimately ended up transferring to Louisville. But when he was at Colorado, he was supposedly the best player on the team. Um, one thing that's kind of surprised me about him is he's a bit undersized. He's a little smaller than I expected, more Jared West size than Noah Locke size. Um, I don't think that he's going to be able to utilize his full capabilities until conference play. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like that a little bit, kind of like how Kevin Ware uh, came out of nowhere during the national championship season. I like that just kind of, he's going to be kind of a late addition to the roster and just a, just an added piece. But I think that he absolutely can be just as good as the other three guards right now. That's great to hear. And when you look at our full roster, there you go. I mean, there, there's like nine guys that you can be proud of and can assume can contribute in a college basketball game. And when we were meeting up last year all the time, we were constantly trying to figure out if that was the case. You're constantly throwing all this Josh Nickelberry stuff at me every week about how he's how he's going to score 20 points. And I was like, you're ridiculous. Josh Nickelberry, LaSalle, last night, opener, 22 points. And if he leads him to the Final Four, I have to buy you a motorcycle. Yeah, a, a motorcycle. You know what? I would just take a beer, but a motorcycle would be great as well. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to get into Josh Nickelberry, but I mean, listen, some some players, you can be a good player and just not be a good fit, uh, a.k.a. I think that's J.J. Trainer this season on Louisville's team if we're getting into that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Josh, big, big night one. LaSalle, 0-1 though. So, you know, you could take uh, take both sides of that because you're yeah, going to need right. a few wins right. to get there for sure. But there's always a conference tournament. Um, looking at the next five games, we have Furman at home Friday night, 7 o'clock. That's a great game to go to. Your work week ends 7 p.m. You don't have to be out all night. It should be a better crowd, you would assume, based on the time and the day of the week. Then we have Navy at home on Monday, Detroit at home on Saturday, 2 p.m., Mississippi State, 9.30, and at Michigan State that following Wednesday at 7.15. When you look at the next five games, predict Louisville's record. Yes, yeah, so, well, and I think you you might you missed one, too, as well. They'll have that second game in, in the uh, – wherever it is they're going, the Bahamas, the right. Right, right. So they'll have that second game, um, either Richmond or Maryland. Uh, Richmond's a solid squad. Maryland's a top 25 team. Um, looking at the next looking at the next six games, right, um, Chris Mack is back for Michigan State. 
Uh, right off the bat, I think that's a loss. I think Michigan State's kind of a top 10 type of team this year. They're going to contend for the Big Ten title. Um, I think Purdue might have something to say about that. But uh, traditionally, Louisville struggles at Michigan State. Um, I'm, I chalk that up as, as, as a loss. And if it's a win, it's a surprise. It's a great surprise. Uh, but I, I think that most fans should look at that as, as kind of like a 70-30 Michigan State type of game. You look at Mississippi State, if we're, if we're going backwards a little bit, Mississippi State is going to be a really tough challenge for Louisville. Not going to have Chris Mack, going to be in an unfamiliar situation, probably playing in some like rink, rinky-dink gym or ball river, something like that. Uh, CBS Sports Network, just kind of a weird vibe, a weird feel. Uh, and Mississippi State's solid, man. They just got DJ Stewart back, and they, they have Rocket Watts coming in. I think the one thing that Louisville is going to be able to hang their hat on, I think that's going to be a win for UofL, uh, simply because Mississippi State is not fully healthy yet. Um, so what I'm excited for um, with Mississippi State is that Louisville can probably get a win. I'm going to ch- I'm, I'm see that as as, you know, a, a win that could be a potential quadrant one win towards the end of the season, because I think Mississippi State's a team that's going to turn on in the back half of the SEC play. Uh, I really like Ben Howland um, and I think they'll probably end up playing Maryland and I don't like them in that game. Uh, I think that Louisville could 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 probably drop two in a row to Maryland and Michigan State. People would be freaking out uh, the, the games leading up to that. Uh, as, I, as I've indicated already, I'm concerned with Furman. Furman made 22 of 44 threes, uh, uh, albeit in a game against a D2 team um, last night on Tuesday, if you're listening to this. Um, and then I, I think that Furman still win. I mean, not, I'm not saying that I think Louisville's going to go out and lose the game, but I think it'll be a challenge. It'll certainly be a challenge. So if you're looking for, if you're looking for a fun game to go to, Louisville's going to push the pace. Berman clearly is not afraid to shoot the ball. Um, I think you could see like a, another like 110 to 95 type of game. And that's that's what I would anticipate when the line comes out. I'm, I'm going to guess that Louisville will probably be favored by like 18 or 19. And I think it'll be right around that. Um, and then Louisville goes into, I believe, after Furman, they have Navy on Monday. Navy just beat uh, Virginia, who, you know, is the boogeyman around here. Although I will say that Tony Bennett's teams traditionally start out slow, and this Tony Bennett coach team is probably the worst talent-wise roster that he's had, uh, at least since we've been paying attention to Virginia basketball. Um, so the, the the Navy game, I, I think that it's it's too it's like one of those you know it's this isn't Purdue football, right? Like it's 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 too cheesy to to it's like too much of a like too many people are going to be saying it's a trap game. Like if right. so, if X amount of people say it's a trap game, it's not really a trap game. So, um, and then and then Detroit Mercy, I, I think that's a win. Detroit Mercy does have a guy who's probably going to be a top five scorer in the country this season, so that'll be something to look out for. Uh, but ultimately, I see Louisville probably dropping two of the next six, and I think that it's on the back half. I think it's Michigan State, and I think it's probably Maryland. Yeah, and, and we'd hope so, and we would think if we get to that Mississippi State game untouched and undefeated there's a possibility that they're ranked there i did not know mississippi state added garrison brooks from north carolina yeah. in the offseason yeah, they have some talent on that squad yeah they they clearly do they're they're preseason ranked in the sec i believe seventh so that's right in the middle of the 14 and then you look at the bahamas trip maryland adds fats russell from rhode island who is one of the most prolific non-power five point guards that we've seen for the last few years he's an older guard and they also got that kudis center from georgetown that we i believe talked about hey this could be a fit for Louisville. we really want this guy yeah he had 18 last night in maryland's opener so that's going to be a really fun trip where we're definitely going to get tested i think richmond is going to be a little down this year i i want to say they were uh they were actually they beat kentucky last year at rup and ended up having just a terrible season after that you know a team that you're like oh watch out for this Atlantic 10 team they're they're always scary you never know they didn't end up being that they weren't very good so I I do think it's going to be Mississippi State and Maryland there and Michigan State I watched that entire game last night and that Gabe Brown dude is for real they are just a giant strong bully you team they still have uh Joey Hauser it, it, we we're going to have a fun little non-conference run you still look at DePaul and WKU when we look down the line a little bit and uh, WKU has some, some strong, some bully-style guys. They looked decent last night. And I, they have a cool game on Friday. I can't remember who they play, but I, I think they're at Minnesota, actually, on Friday, WKU. So that's a good good chance to get a look at them. That'll be a fun one. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I like what the, where this team's at because you can afford bad nights from guys, and it's going to happen when you play teams that are this good this early on and that are good defensively possibly. Last night, night one in college basketball, more games went under than ever in the history of a night one, which is a really interesting stat. And when you look at that stuff, you're like, oh, it's night one, guys are not in form. It works that way for defense too. You know, you could argue the other side of it. They've been shooting, they've been practicing, they're ready to go. Fans are back in the building and maybe they're just not in unison defensively. There was a lot, a lot of unders last night. So I think that's going to be a trend to look out for as we move forward. Um, the last thing I want to touch on today um Chris Mack being gone you were there last night does the vibe feel any different no not really it didn't um you know I I thought that the the staff did a really good job of everybody being a cohesive unit it really it looks like each of the staff members has their own responsibilities that they take care of Um, it was interesting when I arrived at the game before the team came out, I'd never seen this. The entire coaching staff was on the floor, just like cutting up, goofing around. I had never seen something like that before. Not, not that it's a, a bad or indicate indicative of anything negative at all. I just thought that it was really interesting, just how like kind of loose and lighthearted they were. Typically, Chris Mack and before that, Rick Bettino would just kind of stay back in their office, game planning, final notes, touching up their pregame speech whatever else that they want to do running through the game plan over and over again. Uh, it looked like the coaching staff was just kind of not, not out there just having fun goofing off or anything like that, but they were just, you know, dribbling some balls, chatting it up, talking to the other coaches. That's not something you see very often. So I thought that was unique. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, it, it, as far as, as far as the dynamic, um, you might notice that the dynamic change a little bit more when they go to the Bahamas. I think that's when you'll start to see that change up just a little bit um, right right now it didn't there wasn't anything super unique about uh, having a different coach on the sideline uh, outside of what what we talked about with the with the different roster changes with the different decision making uh, from from the coaching staff uh, but besides that you know it was seemed like it was just par for the course Right. Well, it's good to hear. We're going to have to live without Chris Mack for a little bit. You're so right, though. I'm so used to that Rick Patino last minute walkout that's like somehow filled with swagger, but it's kind of fast. Usually it's like a slow walk that carries as much swagger. But Rick had that little pep in his step, ready to go, not really talking to anybody, ready to go to work. Press, it's been a pleasure. Uh, do you have any final words? Uh, plug your plug your podcast. Uh, I, I think your logo looks way worse without me on it, but you, you can go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and do your thing. It's our- our podcast logo is certainly not as handsome as it once was, uh, but I will say uh, if you're not listening starting 502, we're going to have a post-game podcast um, after each game this season. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that other good stuff, all the stuff that you would say um, as a typical YouTuber or whatever, you know, social media savant uh, such as I. Um, but, no, I'm uh, Will, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about this college basketball season. I like your understat. Uh, I think there's been so much, so much change, so much turnover. Uh, Louisville's not alone in, in what they did in the offseason. Uh, almost every major Power Five school, uh, Kentucky uh, included, uh, has kind of went out and, and just completely revamped their team and just kind of stole a bunch of players from some, some of the smaller schools. Um, so it is. I, I could see why uh, this the unders hit so so often. This last game, I think that could be a trend to watch out for in the early season. I'm excited to uh, to watch college basketball, especially on the Big Ten Network and and uh, and their massive scoreboard. Oh man, that thing's big! Currently, yeah, currently watching uh, Buffalo get crushed um, on the Big Ten Network right now, uh, it, but I can barely see it because the scoreboard is just blinding me. So. Um, but no, no, I'm, I'm excited for call about college basketball season. I can't wait for all the storylines. Uh, and hopefully we get to chat soon, starting 502. Make sure you subscribe. Will, thanks for having me. 
Presley, you're the man. Starting 502, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You've heard my voice on it before. You might hear it one day again. Presley Meyer, Nick Connor. Uh, the post-game podcast idea is is something to really think about. I mean, after you get done watching a game, you almost always want to hear it. And even if you go to bed, it's there in the next, it's there the next morning, too. And it's an immediate reaction. It's not stale. That's a big knock on podcasts when you think about it. A lot of it, I mean, I put my stuff out, I make NFL picks. They come out on Thursday or Friday, and by the time it's Monday, it's all gone. All you get to hear is me talk about how the Bengals are going to beat the Browns by 17. They lost by 24 or something, and then you think I'm so stupid. You get to hear the initial reaction from those two guys. It's a great place to go. Prez, thanks for joining Red Talk. Now I'm going to talk about uh, the the school in, in Lexington with Nick Wheatley. Here we go. Red Talk, Nick Wheatley in the house. It's time for the Kentucky Wildcat basketball segment of this podcast. And even though I don't like Kentucky, I am incredibly fair and unbiased. So let's do this thing. Nick, it is great to have you back. It's great to be back, man. I haven't been on here in forever. I've missed it. Well, welcome. As you can see, we've evolved. We do it virtually now because I'm incredibly safe. UK opens their season last night. Madison Square Garden Champions Classic. A crowd in there was really, really fun. It's great to have crowds back. And the Kentucky-Duke matchup was really cool because you have two of the best college programs in the history of the world and two teams that were, like, really, really bad last year for their standard. So everybody in there, it felt like they wanted it so bad. And I really enjoyed watching the game. I thought Duke was awesome. And Duke won the game rather easily, I'd say, but I was very, very impressed with Kentucky. Your initial thoughts on night one. Yeah. I mean, the crowd was awesome. I mean, obviously people are paying insane amounts of money to, for coach K's last season. There were way more Duke fans than there were UK fans, but um, no, it was good. I mean, obviously not the desired outcome, but in Duke almost pulled away, but um, I mean, they played, they played all right. They, they fought and Duke is, Duke's just stupid good. As you figured they would be, uh, those two freshmen they have are both just unbelievable. It's it's crazy when you see two 18, 19-year-old guys come in there and be that ready to play in that game. And that's kind of the opposite of what Kentucky has this year. And as we start diving into this team, you're watching the pregame and whatnot, and when you hear the guys sitting there, Reese Davis and them, they're like, yeah, this is Coach Cal's oldest team ever. You're like, oh, wow, that's that's really weird to think about because I was just telling Presley about this because Louisville's like this this year. I sit and watch UK for the first time every year, and I'm like, let's learn all these guys because they're all new, and I don't know who they are. And they said oldest team ever. I still had to learn a bunch about all these new guys. He's yeah. kind of hit the transfer portal. My thoughts immediately after the game were Coach K has one of Calipari's teams and Calipari has one of Coach K's teams. Like we've got the old team with shooters, not a ton of athletes. They've got the freak athletes with insane length and they've got the star freshmen that just dominate from night one. They uh they do. And that one guy was cramping. You could tell he was out of shape. He's still just putting step back jumpers in people's face. Well, half their half their team was cramping. They might have won about thirty if if they didn't have so many damn cramps. And cramps are tough. Thank God for cramps. But yeah, I, it's it's weird. That's a great way to put it uh, with the kind of changing spots for both of those coaches. But when you look at Kentucky and where you're going, I was at Manhattan Project with a few of my friends on Friday night. And they had I, I went there to bet on the Virginia Tech Boston College game and the Bucks and the Knicks. And, you know, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I haven't seen them in a while. I'm We're going to go. We're going to watch these Friday night games. And they got Kentucky and Miles College on every damn TV in there, and I'm pissed <laughs> off about it. And then I see Miles College is winning at halftime. So I bet on Duke last night just because of that. It's like Kentucky is either not going to be good, or maybe they just don't have chemistry yet. And I don't really think either of those are the case. I was very impressed with them last night, but a major scare in an exhibition to a Division II team, to say the least. I think Kentucky ended up winning by nine. But when you look at this team, who's the guy that you're most excited about? I mean, after last night, Oscar's got to be – Oscar Shuba's got to be number one. Um, 
I mean, he's got he's got to be one of the best rebounders in the nation. He's the toughest dude on the court. But uh, despite his terrible play last night, I love Ty Ty Washington. I just think the uh, the he got a little nervous under the bright lights, and I mean, Trevor Keels just absolutely locked him down. So uh, he's probably the player I'm most excited for because he reminds me of like a uh, a young Brandon Knight. So I think that. I think he'll turn it on. And Brandon Knight had a slow start to the year before he ended up, you know, killing it as he went on. Right. I think the Ty Ty Washington thing, I think you'd see the talent out there with him, but I do think he scares Kentucky fans after, you know, you, you bet all this money on Brandon Boston per se, you know, yeah. and then he goes yeah. out and you guys go nine and 16. It's, it's gotta be the worst Kentucky team of, of your life. I mean, or at least of the Calabari era. And yeah. Uh, Ty Ty looked a little bit like that last night, like somebody that may let this giant angry fan base down. But um, this uh, this Shibwe dude is yeah. a monster out there. I mean, he is giant. And uh, Duke had a guy like that too. I think his name was like Mark Williams or something. And like, they're they're yeah. both just absolute monsters. And to have a guy like that, that's really really gonna help because you can miss shots and your possessions still your possession. Yeah, I mean he had he's he's not that tall. He's only six nine, which is wild to think about. But Does not feel that way. He's two sixty. I mean he's an absolute unit. He had twelve offensive rebounds. So just you, I mean we we shot horrible from the field, and he was, I mean he gave us chance after chance. Uh, but yeah, Mark Williams is literally unguardable. I mean that dude is like seven one two fifty. How do you? I mean who who guards that guy? Right. Yeah. That dude was an absolute beast, but 19 boards for the yeah, day. He's unbelievable. All over the place. Yeah. And, and if you tell me before the season that Davion Mintz is not going to start for UK, I'm, I'm pretty afraid of what Kentucky's going to put out there. And when you look at who did start, it actually makes sense. It's probably the correct lineup. And you get Mintz back. I mean, he was probably your most reliable scorer last year when it came to the entire floor. It's crazy to see him coming off the bench. Uh, wild stat here. Davion Mintz is the first player in the Calipari era who led the team in scoring to come back to school. And he's not even starting. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh but I mean he he's got he's a role player. Like if he's if he's your star player, your leading scorer, you're not good. Like that's why you go nine and sixteen. I mean, maybe not that bad, but he—he's a role player. He's—he's he's like the perfect six man. Um, he gives a ton of energy off the bench. Yeah, he does, and that—I mean—it's a great guy to have coming off the bench because he's comfortable in the system. He controls the ball, and he's a good shooter when it comes down to it. Wheeler, your new point guard from Georgia, he. Yeah. Torched LSU last year. I believe he did the same to UK. Very familiar for people that have been watching SEC basketball. This guy is like five foot eight. He is tiny, but he is so unbelievably fast and great with the ball. He's a little sporadic and crazy at times, but he's definitely got to be really excited about. Oh yeah, I mean he's he gets out of control sometimes, but like he has he's perfect for this team. They have so many shooters. They've got Oscar to feed the ball down to down low. I mean, when you can spread out the floor and then you've got a guy like that, if he can knock down the occasional shot, like he probably shot better last night than he'll he'll shoot all year, but he can get to the basket at will and he I mean he just finds open guys all over the court. Right. Yeah. He I mean, he's somebody that you're you're watching your team play Georgia in the past, and you're like, why is this guy getting to the rim and finishing on our team against our I, six foot eleven? Yeah. yeah. It it makes no sense. His body control's really, really good. And I, I think that's the main takeaway from last night is Kentucky's got a lot of different guys that can give it to you. Kellen Grady, you could tell when he shoots that he has unlimited confidence. He's got really solid elevation for such an elite three-point shooter, the Davidson transfer. Tell me a little yep. bit about him. Yeah, so he was at Davidson for four years. He averaged 17 points all four years at Davidson, which is kind of crazy. But he um, he was, you know, top 100 recruit that went to Davidson. Kind of looks a bit like – kind of looks like Steph. But, I mean, obviously not Steph. Uh, but I like to call him little Steph. I was <laughs> He made like his third three in the first half last night. I was like, oh, baby Steph. And Michael was like, shut up. <laughs> and uh, no, but he's – um. He's he's good. He played really well in the first half. And then I think Calipari was doing everything he could to try to get Ty Ty into a rhythm. 
have him play out of his funk. And so he sat Grady for like the first part of the second half. And then once he came back in, he was out of a rhythm, never got back into it. Yeah, I mean, three shots made, all threes. He, he's. It yeah. looks like he's kind of just going to chill out there. He attempted eight field goals, seven of them are threes. Uh, the guys from last year, Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware. Do you think any of these guys makes like a major jump? I know everybody's expecting it from Brooks, but which guy do you expect it from? Probably Jacob Toppin. I mean, Keon Brooks is all right. Like last night was a bad matchup for him because like nobody can guard Ben Caro, and if you can't guard Ben Caro, then you're just screwed. Um, and he, he, I mean, he was just he he was outmanned. He's he's too weak. He doesn't have a good enough shot. He doesn't have a handle. So like, he's a terrible tweener between a three and a four. Uh, Lance Ware is a complete waste of space. And um, I mean, he hustles, which is great. But um, my, uh, I love Toppin. I mean, I think Toppin has the skill set to be really, really good. Um, he He's a freak athlete. He's got a great, like, mid-range jumper. He just hasn't got it from outside yet, but he's he's probably the best defender on the team. Like, there were times last year where he would guard the other team's point guard, and he's six foot ten. like, you know. Yeah, he's very agile, and he, he does have, like, that, that certain touch that I think Brooks really, really lacks. I feel like Toppin is, like, close when he misses, and I think that's a sign yeah. of a good scorer. If they miss, are they close? And I think that that's something that Brooks is still has to work on, and it's something he's had to work on since he's been at UK. I know he was inju- injured for most of the season last year. When you look at what's to come for UK, you guys play absolutely nobody, it looks like, for the first seven weeks. You, you do have yeah. Ohio in there at home. Ohio, uh, 13 seed last year, won a tournament game against Virginia. Uh, they, they Did no they beat Belmont there. last night? They had a big win over Belmont last night. Okay, so maybe not maybe not nobody. You guys have a grudge match against Robert Morris on Friday at home. A uh, lot, of, lot of revenge on your mind. Uh, when you look at the, these next few games, do you think there's any possibility for a slip up, or do you think that Kentucky goes into Notre Dame looking at seven and one? I mean, they won't lose. Well, I mean, I don't. They won't lose, but um, I could see a slip up in terms of like a close game. You know, like the Miles College, even Kentucky Wesleyan was like too close because they just they don't play enough defense, and a team comes in and they, you know, start banging threes um uk might win by like 10 when they should win by 30 but i I don't see a slip up coming i just think they're too talented for that yeah no that's uh that's fair when you get into december you got at notre dame ohio state at home and then louisville at home all within three games that's kind of a fun non-conference schedule and i do think that the SEC is going to be kind of sneaky good this year. Um, maybe not as as great up top as we're used to seeing, but in terms of the depth of the conference, LSU hung 101 last night. They were favored by 20. I think they won by 62 points. Jesus, Chris. Yeah, they, they look very good, and it's, it's a bummer. They had that Adam Miller dude from Illinois. He's out for the year, yeah. and he could have been the best player on the team. So LSU actually takes a major step back there, but Mississippi State made some good additions, and that that's like the middle of the conference. Neither of those teams are picked by anyone to win the conference. Kentucky's picked by everyone to win the conference. I, I think Tennessee is going to be pretty good, but yeah. it, it should be an interesting year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas, of course, brought Alabama, in yeah, stupid number of transfers. Like Alabama's the same way, and now they're getting like top five recruiting classes. Um, you got uh, Tennessee will be good. I don't know. I mean, I think Kentucky has a ton of talent, but it's hard to be. I think it's like nat- natural to be pessimistic after last year to be afraid of the unknown with so many, so many new players. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the. I think like the top four to five teams in the SEC. There's just a big gap between like the next group. You know what I mean? Um, even Florida, like Florida's going to be really down this year, I think too. Right? Do they still have that Castleton dude? Oh gosh, I can't remember if he came back or not. But I literally hate that guy. Yeah, dude is tall as hell. I mean, super okay. flopper, like super annoying player. I know they don't have man anymore, the point guard, and they don't have Locke because he's with the cards. Yeah, Locke's with the cards. They lost their backup center, Omar Payne. He went to uh, Illinois. Um, They lost another guy. They brought in a few transfers too, but I just I don't think they'll be very good. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fair. You guys also have a random at Kansas game, and uh, that's going to be really fun. I was really, really impressed with Kansas last night, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be much better. Kansas, another school that like just wasn't very good last year, at least not what you're used to. It, it, Kentucky's schedule, like these next seven weeks, I say they like, oh, they play Noah. It, it kind of has to be like that to an extent. You yeah. have play those games I, I think that the conference schedule and those non-conference that you get to after you finish that I think I think you all play Southern too who lost to Louisville by 12 last night right yeah. after you finish that game it's kind of on <laughs> yeah exactly I mean Notre Dame beat us last year which obviously we weren't very good last year but I mean we got to go play up there um I think Ohio State is down I, they didn't play well last night I didn't think they were very good going in last night um, but EJ Liddell and Oscar Shibway is going to be a monster battle down low. Um, obviously Louisville's the rivalry game and yeah, that Kansas game, Kansas is, Kansas is similar to Duke, man. They're going to give Kentucky fits down low, like with their link, but in that Oche Akbaji, I mean, he was stupid good last night. I mean, he, he looked like a first team all American last night. Yeah, without a doubt, that a, a Clements dude they brought in off the bench can shoot yeah. it. I mean, God, Remy Martin is so so fast with the ball, and uh, yeah, he's a former Arizona State Sun Devil, so I absolutely have love for him. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a really fun year, and I, I do think that Kentucky is going to find their way near the top of the SEC, and we're not going to see a uh, tournament without the Kentucky Wildcats again, probably this year, probably not for a long time with the um, NIL going into effect, and that's not me being mean. It's it's just like that's it's why you see Alabama getting all these guys now, too. And even for basketball, like certain schools are going to be able to take advantage of this NIL way quicker and more efficiently than others are. I I, I saw Arkansas with that Chris likes dude last night for my it, it is crazy oh, what's happened to college basketball. I can't wait to see Chris likes and severe Wheeler against each other. That'll be like the two shortest point guard matchup of all time. Yeah. Uh, no, but like the the NIL stuff, Kentucky got a big jump on that. They uh, they had um, they've already had you know Ty Ty Washington obviously has gotten a bunch of deals. I mean he's got Porsche, he's got some caviar deal. The whole team signed a cryptocurrency deal. Um, Ty Ty Washington just started his own foundation, the Ty Ty Washington Foundation, that was ruled a tax exempt company by the IRS because he donates ten percent of his proceeds to charity. So like. I mean, it is it's wild the jump that like Kentucky has gotten. It's wild like how teams are gonna capitalize on it. So I'm actually I actually want to learn more about this. So so the Ty Ty Washington Foundation, ninety percent of it is just donated to Ty Ty Washington. Um well it's it's for his it's for his NIL earnings and um ten percent goes to charity and yeah. the IRS ruled it a tax exempt company. So he don't have to pay tax on any of his NIL earnings. Okay, yeah, I, I feel like that was a, a way about around the question. That was cool. It's like Aaron Rodgers at a press conference, but yeah. So ni- yeah. his NIL yeah. earnings—that that's just his bank account. His money. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like his his million dollars that he's gonna earn this year easily. It's crazy that you could just donate to Kentucky's shooting guard, and you could finally do it <laughs> legally. That's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool where uh, college basketball is going. I. Uh, that that's nuts. That's a really cool stat. The Ty Ty Washington Foundation. Oh my! Oh, no more illegal Ashton Hagen's videos. <laughs> no, he can throw <laughs> up his money all he wants. Yeah, well, yeah. To sign a few deals like you just Porsche and caviar. He just pulls up in a Porsche with his caviar. He's got his. Uh, he's got to check his check his crypto account at halftime. Yeah, the guy cares a lot. Could care less. He goes three of fourteen last night. He's he's just living. <laughs> he's living perfectly fine. Uh, he might stay at Kentucky for three or four years. You might love it. <laughs> Make more than he does on his rookie deal. Finally yeah. catching up to. Uh, LSU and how much our players can make. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> LSU just got caught because their coach is making these stupid ass "I'm General Wade" videos before the game. Oh, my, my dad sent me that video. Good lord, man! <laughs> that man has the exact same voice mannerisms. Everything about him is the exact same as John Migas, and I, <laughs> I, I absolutely love Will Wade. I don't care what anybody says. LSU was really bad, and then he got there and he did a bunch of illegal stuff. And LSU has not been that bad since he's been there. Yeah, I mean, he's he he gets a ton of talent, and he's a pretty good coach. He just like 
he's such a nerd. Like he looks like such a dork. That general Wade, I, I just I, I sent it to Austin. I was like, you know, do we have to take Louisiana Monroe plus twenty because of this? And he was like, I don't think that's what it means. But that video is super lame. I was like, yeah, yeah. My my dad doesn't even call him Will Wade anymore. He calls him the American Gangsta. Yeah, that's what uh, John Rothstein calls him as well. Yeah, 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 that's all he calls him. I just call him Dubs because you know Will Wade WW. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we haven't been that bad since he's been there. I get three shots at you all this year. Um, Kentucky does have home and home with LSU and basketball. doesn't always work out that way. And then yeah. uh, we do get the classic Cards-Cats matchup on a Wednesday, which totally sucks. Stupid Wednesday at 6 o'clock at that, like, a terrible matchup time. Um I mean, I don't, I don't know what what kind of thought process went into that. Yeah, I think it's just to try to keep as many Louisville fans out of there as possible. You know, when you look at it, I mean, people getting off work, they don't logistically have time to make it there. If they get off at five, it's perfect for that. Clearly, a malicious attempt by Kentucky to get all yeah. the red out of there. Yeah, clearly. I mean, um, Christmas week, three days before Christmas, people might even be out of town for all we know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's so clear what they tried to do. I I think it's appalling. Uh, not as bad as the Tai Tai Washington Foundation, but almost <laughs> as blatant. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. I, I do I do want to talk to you about Kentucky's football season. The last time I saw you, it was before the LSU game, and I I believe I told you that LSU was going to win, and they did not win. But uh, I get another crack at you. You guys have to come to the oven. On uh, uh, coming up here in a few weeks, and Louisville's probably going to have bowl eligibility on the line, um, assuming that they they don't win against Syracuse on Saturday, which I don't know why anybody would expect them to. They've scored zero fourth quarter points this year, but Kentucky, since beating LSU, has kind of fallen apart. They played Georgia better than anybody, and then uh, really really poor performance at Mississippi State, and then Tennessee. I didn't get to watch it last week because I was at the oven watching Louisville Clemson, but I did take Tennessee minus one and saw that that worked out for me. What, what are you expecting from that? Um, I mean, obviously, we've kind of spiraled ever since that Georgia game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be – we're getting a little healthier. Um, we have no depth, which is kind of amazing because um, we brought in so many good recruiting classes the last few years. But, like, our best players at the positions where we have injuries like D-line and linebacker and, and defensive back, like – it's all young guys in there, like freshmen, true freshmen and redshirt freshmen that have to come in. Um, and obviously our our pass defense is just horrific, especially if we – so if we have D-line, if we have D-line starters out, we get no pass rush and our secondary just gets picked on, which is just sad. I mean, we're starting, you know, two seniors in uh, at safety. Um, we're starting a senior at corner, like – two seniors at linebacker. We've got so much talent and we've got so much experience on the defense and they've literally been horrific the last three weeks. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of points given up. I mean, 70 plus combined when you look at uh, Mississippi state and, um, and uh, Tennessee and uh, Tennessee was at Kroger field, which I can vouch for as a treacherous place to go watch a football game. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Louisville UK, it should be fun. Uh, you never know. I mean, Kentucky's beaten Louisville. I feel like the last, 18 years, uh, probably hyperbole there. It just it hadn't been fun. And uh, I'm really hoping that that's like my only moment of Louisville football happiness. Outside, Lamar getting his jersey retired. Maybe we win that game. Maybe we beat Duke. Maybe we beat UK 7-5, and getting to the playoff. But uh, last thing on uh, UK's basketball team, I forgot to bring this up. I think there's just one guy that should be in your rotation that wasn't in night one, and that is uh, C.J. Frederick from Iowa. Is is there anybody else that I'm missing? Uh, Dante Allen. Oh, yeah. Completely healthy, didn't play a single minute, which is kind of amazing to me. He should have transferred. But, like, I, I mean, it's it's tough because we're probably, I think we're, like, 11 deep and, like, 11 guys that can actually play, and we don't need backcourt players. Like, we need frontcourt players. We have right. to bring Lance Ware when Oscar Shibway gets in foul trouble. Um and we've got, you know, we've got, like, we've got Bryce Hopkins, Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks at the four. Um, and we play three guards, Grady, Wheeler, Washington, you bring in Mintz, um, you know, like, and then you got Frederick and then Allen's like the next man. Finally, it takes a while to get down there to him. 
Yeah, it's a tough lineup to go small with too, because those mm. four guards that you could put in, it's really tough to imagine any of them like playing the four spot and guarding a power forward. Yeah, exactly. And well, and Dante is a terrible defender. I mean, he's probably he's probably the worst defender on the team, and um, which is going to limit his playing time, and which sucks because now he's a junior and he's <clears throat> or a redshirt sophomore, and he's still not playing. Um, and then you got, but Frederick, Frederick will start gets, getting some minutes. I think he's going to kind of sucks, but I think he's going to eat into, um, to Mince's minutes a little bit, probably, um, just because he's such a dead ass shooter. I mean, he shot 49% from three last year and there was a big difference in the game last night when Kellen Grady was on the floor, not just because he made shots, but just because somebody has to be on him at all times. So it kind of opens the floor for for Wheeler to get into the lane and stuff and they can't just pack it in, which helps a ton. Um, and if they do pack it in, then he can just kick it out to somebody. So, I mean, Allen will have his moments. He played well against, um, miles college in that, you know, big nine point win, but you know, he's not, he's not like a nobody player. It just sucks. He's so far down in the depth chart. Yeah, no, it, it does. And I think that he, uh, there was a lot of rumors about him transferring last year, but he was heavily responsible for a few of your nine wins that you had last season. Like no, no joke intended there. He, he really was. He was very helpful last season. But yeah, I, I think we heard Coach Cal uh, at halftime. You kind of understand how he's going to treat Tata Washington. He's, he's going to kind of let him off the leash and let him be himself, especially because he doesn't have four other freshmen that he has to do that to this year. He does have some guys that he's going to trust and that chemistry is going to come. I think UK is going to be going to be good. I think Wolves is going to be good too. I think it's going to be a much better season of basketball in the bluegrass state than we saw last year with neither of us making the tournament. Louisville was much closer. Might I add last team out of the field, really close. Ah, yeah. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were definitely better than UK. UFL's better than I thought they were going to be. This year, I mean, they didn't play well last night, but they're still better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, it um, added a lot of people. And, you know, we got nine guys that can play. I think this is going to be an infinitely better team than last year. Our three through four, three through five in terms of like best player rankings. All those guys should be better. And I don't think that e- any of them moved into like the top two necessarily. So it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I'm looking forward to it. Nick, uh, you got anything else you need to get off your mind before I uh, get out of here? Why is Samuel Williamson the most hated player on UofL's team? I feel like he is really damn good. Is that a, is that like a UK thing that UK people hate Samuel Williamson the most or UofL people? No, no, no. Like UofL, like my friends, like UofL fans, all I hear them do is complain about Samuel Williamson. And I think he's good. Yeah, I mean, 14 points, 14 boards last night. And towards the end of the year, it was just double-double after double-double. He's probably the best rebounder on the team, which is very random. He is a jacked dude. But I, I know Kentucky fans really didn't like him last year because um, Louisville beat UK at the Yum Center. It was very, very close. And I think Samuel Williamson had like two or four points. And after the game, there was like a video in the locker room of Louisville partying. And they had Samuel Williamson like hoisted up on uh, the shoulders of other players. And I got like five messages immediately like, why in the hell is this guy being hoisted up? He didn't do anything. And I, I really didn't have an answer for him. But uh, I know that that warranted some hatred last year from uh, the rival side in Lexington. Yeah, I think I think we hated just about every team we played because they all beat us. But the he, uh, I, I mean, I guess it has to do with him being like a five-star and you know, not being a lottery pick immediately. I mean, kind of like, you know, like Blackshear vibes. But, I mean, he's good. Like, he's a really good college player, I think. Yeah, right. And I think that a Louisville – part of being a Louisville basketball fan is you watch five to ten games. It, sometimes it takes you less. You find that guy that you just really don't like and you're just really pessimistic <laughs> about every single thing that he does yeah, on the floor. The, the Darius Perrys of the world, the first couple years of, of Kevin Ware, it, 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 it does – happen you have to find that guy like for me way back in the day it used to be rakeem buckles rock oh uh, yeah yeah still facebook friends with him but there were times i didn't like him out on the floor I, he kind of came along there i think at the end transferred to florida international at the end but uh yeah it's uh it's just part of being a Louisville fan you got to find somebody not to like that uh you also have to cheer for simultaneously fair enough fair enough uh well i can't wait to play the cards um football and basketball I think Kentucky is going to end the year nine and three. I think um, 
They'll be prepared for their bowl game, win their bowl game, and I hope to God Will Levis comes back and doesn't go to the draft because he's looked pretty damn good last week, even though he looked terrific against Mississippi State. Does uh, the uh, TFL have a draft? The TFL? The, the CFL, the Canadian Football League. I just wonder if they had a draft. <laughs> he's He has got... NFL arm talent. <laughs> uh, I was just, well, I mean, I know the, like, uh, I think they're Toronto Argonauts. I know they have, like, a massive <laughs> right, hole to fill at quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll do more of this when the time comes. But I, I I would not be me if I didn't wholeheartedly believe, for whatever reason, that Louisville's going to gonna win that football game at the oven. That's a, it's a tough place to play, man. It's Especially when you're at the oven and it's really cold. Doesn't make sense. It's, uh, it gets kind of fun in there. Yeah, well, I'll be there. I'll be there on the party deck. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you there. That's where we all are, man. That's where we reside. <laughs> Nick Wheatley, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, cats, I'll, I'll give it one just because we did the pack, podcast. Wow. All right. That's uh, <laughs> that's all I got. Until next time, which is very soon, by the way, I have uh, sports gambling and then uh, Bachelor Red Talk coming out on Friday. This is Thursday. Hope you enjoyed. TTYL. <laughs>